Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. of God. Glory to God. Turn around, greet your neighbor. Go out of your way, shake someone's hand, introduce yourself if they're new. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Exciting day today. Many are going to get baptized. Amen. How many remember when you got baptized? Amen. I remember, I, you know, I, I was one of the that dunked some of you in there. But just to let you know, I brought my CPR card, so <laughs> Pastor Sandoval, he can hold you down a bit, little bit longer if he needs to. Again, if I have to bring you back, we can bring you back. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms chapter 16. Psalms chapter 16. Amen. You know it's going to be a good day when you go by the Stella's Kitchen and they got jokes for you. Amen. They were capping on me. They said that with my Backstreet Boys microphone right on. So make sure on your way out you go visit the Spice Girls and let them know that. (laughs) See what they got. They got something cooking in there good. It smelled good. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 16. This morning I want to minister on the title I have is Joy in His Presence. Joy in his presence. And when you go through the scriptures, you see the life of David and you see all that he encountered. David had many times of victory and triumph, but he also had many times documented where he was defeated, where he uh, failed God. But one of the things that David always did was is that he always found a place in his heart to re- reach back to God always came to a place of repentance. And Psalms 51 gives a great account of when David fell and he was at his worst, but he had the knowledge to, uh, and the understanding that I can go to God and ask for forgiveness. Creating me a clean heart was his prayer. And therefore, we see what God was. But in Psalms chapter 16, this is David, and he writes this. He says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The Good News translation reads it this way. It says, you will show me the path that leads to life. Your presence fills me with joy and brings me pleasure forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Father, I thank you, God, for this opportunity to minister your word, Father God, to your people. Father, this morning, I pray for that one who does not know you, who does not have an understanding, Lord God, of your saving grace, Father. Lord, that their heart is receptive. Father, for the believers, Father God, that we would have a greater understanding, Lord God, of what you're calling us to, Father. Lord, I'm mindful of your presence this morning. I pray, Lord God, that you would just use me As your vessel, Father God, to minister this word, I pray, Lord God, that as I step aside, you take full 
control, Father. This I give you, Lord God, today, your glory, your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I think you and I will agree that as a Christian, as a believer in these modern days, navigating through life, it can be challenging. You could have your ups, you could have your downs, you could have moments of victory and moments of defeat. It could be overwhelming, it could even be stressful sometimes to the point where you don't know if you're going to further on. You don't know if this is the day that I say, you know what, I'm done. I've given it my best, I have, but something inside of you won't allow you to quit. The Holy Spirit inside of you will just, uh, just minister to you and give you that assurance that he has things in control. Living for Christ in an anti-Christ society sometimes could take its toll on us. You're one of them. You're one of those haters. You're one of those who, who have to speak out against what is taking place that uh, as society starts to evolve that you stay stuck on the righteousness of God. See, I say this to those who give me these uh, instructions or their opinions is, is that when did becoming righteous, when did living a righteous life become old news? When did living for God become old news? When did standing for righteousness and standing for what is right, when did that become obsolete? See, as Christians, as believers, we have, we have a mandate. We have a, 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 a calling upon us to live a wholesome life for God. But part of that is understanding that to have the joy and the fullness of God is to be in the presence of God. Not just a Christian, not just a person who attends church, but a person who has a relationship with God, who seeks after God, who becomes what I call a God chaser. Verse 11, where he says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Only in the presence of God is there fullness of joy. There is happiness that we sometimes attain or equal with joy, but it's not the same because happiness usually evolves what is taking place around us. You have a good job, favor, your boss is giving you hours, the time's off that you want, and all these good things are happening but how many know if you don't have none of that, you could still have the joy of God? True joy is only experienced through knowing the Lord's presence in your life. Money, relationships, worldly pleasures will give you a sense of happiness, but never, ever complete joy that David spoke of. Israel knew what it was to center their gatherings around the presence of God. When the armies of God would go into battle, they would bring the ark of God. This is what represented the presence of God. This represented God going before you. And as Christians, as believers in this day and age, we, at this time, we must have a greater stance for the things of God. We must identify as true believers, as people of God who say, you know what, no matter what is taking place around me, of all the chaos that is going around me, I will stand for God. 
I will stand for righteousness. I will speak the truth. I will live the truth. And when we do so, there's a, a joy that will overcome you because you're experiencing the fullness of the joy of God. Israel knew this. His presence would guide them through the wilderness. His presence gave them victory in their battles. His presence was powerful in the holy of holies. One person said this, he says, if you seek the presence of God, you will see the glory of God. If you seek after the presence of God, you will experience the glory of God. Like Moses said, Lord, let your glory fall upon me. Let your glory fall upon me. See, when we sputter around in our walk with God, it always could lead back to our distance from God. Because we, we live busy lives. If you ever see things, remember back in the day when we used to walk to school? Right? And I know, don't tell your kids that you walk three miles in the snow and whatever, because it didn't snow where you lived, amen? But we walked to school. Now, if you go by certain schools, you'll see like a mile long of cars picking up their kids and dropping off their kids. We were discussing in the back, and it was funny because we were discussing all the stores that we used to go to when we were kids who are no longer around. Pastor Sandoval brought up Oli's. I never heard of Oli's. <laughs> Woolworth, Zodi's, came old Kmart. All these places that are no longer, but it triggered a, a memory in our, in our life that we said, you know what, I remember those days. So we want the glory of God in our lives. God's presence was a sign that he was with them and for them. See, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be anywhere if God's presence isn't with me. I don't want to minister. I don't want to do anything if God's presence is with me. I have to know that God is with me. I have to know that before I take a step, God, you're going before me. God, before I go into that interview, before I go into that doctor's office, God, before I do anything, God, I need to know that you are with me and that you go before me. God, I know that this battle that I'm facing, God, I have to know that it's gonna be in your hands. It's gonna be in your hands. Because how many know that when we try to fight our own battles, we can only go so far. You and I are limited in, in, in our abilities. God is unlimited. Can you say praise the Lord? Oh, my God. How many here have seen the hand of God move in a way that you would never have seen had it not been God? Had it not been God. When God opens the door, my God, when he opens the door, it's like he kicked it with both feet. But I've also seen God shut a door. I've seen God slam a door that could not be opened no matter what because it was the will of God, the will of God. And that's what we need to seek after is God, let your will prevail because sometimes we want things that aren't going to be beneficial to our walk with him. It looks good on paper. It feels good. It, man, it just seems like a big blessing coming your way but it's going to pull you from God. It's going to distract you. So let's move on. Psalm 16 tells us that the presence, there is fullness of joy. If you and I could imagine what the fullness of joy looks like and what it feels like, what would it be like to have a real encounter with the fullness of joy? In the fullness of joy, there is no sorrow. 
There's no worrying. There's no stress. There's no fear. In the fullness of joy, there's an abundant life, peace of freedom and love. The love of God. See, you and I, some of us never experienced what it was to feel love until we came to Christ. We didn't experience that. Some of us grew up in households where love wasn't expressed. Encouragement wasn't expressed. But when we came to Christ, he showed us his love. And you felt that and you accepted that. And then he in turn says, now I want you to show that love. I want you to love on people. I want you to reach out to the unlovable. And see, it's only God that can do that for you and I. Because in our own nature, we overlook these things. Oh, that's the, that's the fate that that person has been dealt. Sad for him. But when you have the love of God, you have empathy. You say, you know what? God loves you. And you know what? God has given me a love that I want to reach out and I want to help you. If you're going to look down on somebody, let it be to give them a hand to pull them back up. Or you say, you know what? Let me help you. Because there's a world around us. We drive past them day in and day out. And we want the best for them. But oftentimes, they don't want it for themselves. As ministers, we see someone struggling. And, and, and my, my, quick, my first reaction is, is God, help them. God, give them the strength, Lord. God, show them what it is that you're trying to do because everything that we go through, every trial, every tribulation, every test that we go through is for our benefit. See, we don't see it in the moment. We don't uh, appreciate it until the moment, but how many know that when you get through the storm, man, you could look back and you could say, oh, thank you, Jesus, boy, I skipped one there. Thank you, God, man, I was able to make it through there, man. God, you pulled me through that by my bootstrings you pulled me through. God, you just carried me through, man, because what, what I wanted to do, I wanted to run. I wanted to fight. I wanted to do these things. But, God, you didn't let me. Your Holy Spirit quickened me, and you just picked me back up and said, get back on the road. Get back on the road. So here we are experiencing the trials that God has placed us in. See, you and I should not ever settle for being in the vicinity of God. What do I mean? You remember Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary, the story's well-known, well-documented. Martha, she was a great host. They had word that Jesus was going to come and visit. They had word that the Lord was going to come and stop by. So Mary and Martha are getting ready. But at some point, Martha feels that it's more important to take care of these other things. To make things so perfect. You ever want things to be so perfect that you miss out on the whole party? Man, she wanted everything. She wanted the table set. She wanted, man, she put the salsa right here. She put the chips right here, man. She laid out all the, it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. She got a 10 out of 10. But then she becomes frustrated because she sees Mary at the feet of Jesus. And she expresses this to him. And she tells him, 
man, God, I think one version says that she even tells him, tell her that I need help. Let her know that, you know what, we got so much to do here, she doesn't have the time to sit there at your feet. But I love what he says in Luke chapter 10, verse 42. He says, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will, it will not be taken away from her. See, Martha was okay with being in the vicinity of Christ, but it was Mary who desired to be in his presence. See, you, if, if you're okay with just being in, in the house of God, of just attending church and not getting involved in allowing God to do that transformation in your life, you're in his vicinity, but you're not in his presence. It's the presence of God that will transform a life. It is the presence of God that will give you the strength to go on when you want to quit. It is the presence of God that is going to transform your heart, transform your mind, do that work in your life, transform your children, your marriage. It is a transformation that is going to take place only in the presence of God. Only in the presence of God. See, when I think about that, I think about... When people always compare what they do for God with their relationship with God. Oh, I do this, this, and that. But what they're really saying is, is that I'm so busy doing all these things. God's only concerned about your relationship with him. See, don't get me wrong. All those things need attention. We need ushers. We need greeters. We need children in the, the, in the children's department. Those are all needed. But what's most important is your relationship with God and that you establish the presence of God in your life. These are the things that must take place in order for us to develop. See, that's the whole purpose of this thing is for us to develop into strong, mature Christians, not weaklings. I love how Pastor Ruben compares it to Pee Wee Herman, that you're a weak individual who doesn't have the ability to stand on their own. Why? Because they don't know Jesus. They have an understanding. They have a little knowledge of who he is, but they don't have that relationship that he desires. Mary desired this. Could you imagine being in the presence of the Lord and just sitting at his feet, listening to his words of encouragement, of knowledge, of understanding, See, it's those who lack that who get frustrated when they see their brothers and sisters being blessed by God. I've been here longer. I know more. I've finished all those courses, all those classes. I've done that. Why is God not using me? Ask yourself that. Because sometimes God is pulling towards us, but we become so disarrayed, we come to become so focused on the things that are around us. We're okay with happiness. We're okay with the little blood, but we don't want to fully experience because we've yet to tap into that. See, when I think about my walk with God, when I first came back to God, my first thought was, is if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, compromise, look, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this right. We're going we're gonna to be part of it. Now, granted, 
all I wanted was to come to church. I didn't want to minister. I didn't want to usher. I didn't want to do anything. I remember telling Yolanda, she'll tell you, don't look at nobody. Don't talk to nobody. Don't make friends. You know, because we're just going to go in and go out. But when God starts to get a hold of your life and God starts to put a desire into your heart, you want to do things for him. You want to serve his people. You want to reach out. You want to be an extension of his hands, an extension of his feet. You want to be a word of encouragement to that one person who is struggling. Because sometimes we come into the house of God and we're hurt. We're beat down. Sometimes some of us have come from other fellowships, man, and, 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 and you, you, you weren't welcome there. But then you come here and an individual come up to you and say, man, it's good to see you. You know how sometimes just those simple words could lift somebody up? That if you called them, that I thought about you today, I didn't see you, but I thought about you, and I just want to see if you're okay. Something as small as that can really turn a person around. See, we're here for each other. I know it, we're family. I know we all got family sometimes that we wish weren't in our family, amen? But when you look at a tree, sometimes beautiful as that tree is, there's always that branch that grows out of our But we're part of the family of God. And we're to encourage each other. Look, that person might not be, have the same interests as me. I mean, you like this, I don't like that. You like golf, I don't like golf. But we could still have a common bond that we say, you know, we're servants of God. We love God. That's what our common goal is, is that, you know, we're going to serve God together in the house of God. We're going to usher together. We're going to teach together. We're going to greet together. We're going to do all these things. Why? For the glory of God. For the glory of God. So a few things that I wrote down that would separate us from attaining the fullness of God. The first thing would be unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. That is sin that we hold on to that we've yet to say, you know what, God, take this from me. God, take this from me. In Isaiah 59, 2, it says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. If there ever had been a time in my life where I felt so distanced from God and I felt God was not listening to me, I would always have to search my heart and say, God, what is it that is keeping me from hearing your voice? It would be unconfessed sin. It could be something as simple as pride. Pride. I know some, a lot of us grew up in a background where we said, you know what, you're proud of this, you're proud of that. And I'm not saying don't be proud of your culture or your upbringing or whatnot, but when it rises above God, it's, it's out of his sight. He can't stand it. He hates a haughty look, a prideful person, men or women. Because I know when I, when I say that, it, it seems like I'm directing it to the men, but I've seen some women with a lot of pride. I've seen some women who say, you know, they won't, they won't back down. They won't back down. They'll take it to the mat. Come on. <laughs> so unconfessed sin. 
See, we could repent of it, but we've never asked God to uproot it. We could cut it at the surface and say, you know what, I don't do it as much, but it's still there. And given the opportunity, the enemy will water it and it'll start to grow again. It'll start to manifest and it'll start to show. And this will be a hindrance to you in your walk with God. The second thing is distracted by the things of the world. Distracted. How many here have ever been distracted? Amen. I know some of you women have mastered the art of driving while putting on your eyeliner. I almost hit a lady the other day right here on Telegraph. Because she's trying to put her eyeliner on and drive at the same time. That's, that should be part of the DMV test if you're going to get a license. <laughs> How well can you do it? But distracted. How many here are still driving texts? Huh? Are you like me when you see the cop, you just throw the phone in the back? <laughs> God, I'll never do that again until the next day. So you do become distracted. The top four things that will distract us from God. One, relationships. Relationships. Sometimes relationships aren't healthy. They're not beneficial to your walk. But God, this has to be the one. Did you pray about it? You know, having that equally yoke, an individual say, look, it, it's, it, I've, I've yet to ever see it work out where someone says, you know what? I'll lead them to the Lord when they come. But let us start dating now, and I'll lead them to the Lord when that time comes. And it pulls you away. What is the, the saying? If you love something, someone, let them go. But if they come back and bring tacos, then give them a chance. <laughs> no? <laughs> the second thing, your work. Sometimes that distraction can pull us away. The third thing is our hobbies. Now, it's okay to have hobbies, but if your hobby pulls you away from God and your relationship with God, it's not beneficial to you. Some of those, some of those hobbies can be very expensive. They could be very time-consuming. And, and what it is is that we have 24 hours in a day 24 hours in that what we need to say is, is, look, I have family, I have sleep, I have work. But most important, your relationship should be with God. It's that throughout the day, God you're, in, God, you're in the presence of God. You might not be praying on your knees, but you have the mind of Christ and you're listening to worship. And you're allowing God to consume you, allowing God in the word of God. Some of us here have the opportunity that, that you're able to listen to the word of God on your headsets. In the workplace, I've heard some of the people tell me, say, my boss lets me listen to this station or lets me watch this. See, those are things that are going to be beneficial. So our hobbies, we need to hone them in and say, look, it, is this taking me away from God? Maybe I need to cut down on some of these things. And we'll see it. The fourth thing is technology. Technology. Social media. How many here can ever get caught up in social media? One person, come on. <laughs> One person. Seriously. You get caught up. Come on, don't tell me you don't binge watch. Huh? 
You're on like the episode of this and man, you just get caught up into it and it pulls us away. It pulls us away and then you get involved in those, those online uh, Bible fights on Facebook. Huh? You're team so-and-so and you're team this person and you're agreeing with this person. And before you know it, the enemy has us all fighting each other. It's not beneficial. It's not beneficial. Some of you men, you need to put the remote down to your PS5 and get a hold of God. Some of you are more, more skilled in, your, in your, uh, your ability to get level 10 or whatever level it is that you need to achieve, but you have no relationship with God because you spend hours and hours trying to uh, hone in on your skill level so on, on call of duty that you have no relationship with God. And then when the enemy attacks you, you have nowhere to go. You're calling people, pray for me, pray for me, posting it, telling everybody to do, but what God is trying to get you and I to do is to get on our knees, take your face, your face and put it in the word of God and say, you know what, God, what is it that you're trying to speak to me? What is it? See, we run to everybody but God. Everyone. Maybe that person has a word. You people just come up to you and say, you got a word for me? Yeah, open the Bible. You got a book that you can recommend? Yeah, 66 of them. Open your Bible. There is an answer to every problem, every solution in society in the word of God. In the word of God, trust me, this book has been flowing the, the earth for over 2,000 years. It is not changing. I don't care what the, the society is trying to do. The latest thing, the latest thing is that they're making a new Bible. It's called the Queen James Version. Imagine that. Queen James Version. And they omitted stuff, added stuff. As Christians, we need to be aware of the truth because not everybody that sounds like they speak of God have a relationship with God. You have to be very careful who you're interacting with. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2, 15, it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes of the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. We need to ask ourselves, how much of God do I want? How much? Because some of us are just okay with going to heaven. Some of us, sad to say, are only here because your spouse brought you here. I saw this skit one day at a church that my wife was going to before we came here. And it was a throne. The husband gets up to the throne, asks, this is my name. It's not in there. Well, you know what? They call me this. Not in there. Well, you know what? My homeboys call me this. Look, look, look under spider. Look under spider. Maybe it's under spider. <laughs> not in there. What do you mean it's not in there? I attended church every Sunday with my wife. You weren't here for the right reasons. You were here just so you could have a good week. 
but you didn't come because you sought out the presence of God in your life. I've said this before, God don't have son-in-laws, don't have daughter-in-laws, don't have grandchildren. He is your God or he is not. He is your savior or he is not. He is in your heart or he is not. See, you, we can't fake it. We can't fake it. You can always tell an individual who's disconnected is that when trials come and when tribulations come and, and hardships come, that they unravel, that they fall apart. And it leads me down to the third thing is neglect. And one of the areas that I found in myself in my early walk with God is that when I became, I felt that I was being disconnected, it was always in my neglect, in my prayer, in my word time. In my prayer, in my word time. Prayer and the word are, are our means of communicating with God. This is how we speak to him and how he speaks to us. If we neglect the source of communicating with God, we start to feel far from him. We feel distant. Frustration sets in. It was Martha on that day that was great. She was great as a whole. She, was, she had a servant's heart. She was faithful to her ministry, but too lousy to rest at the feet of God. Too lousy. Lazy. See, there's times where you may not always want to pray or read, but we need to push ourselves. We need to push ourselves. See, if you and I neglect our source of communicating with God, we start to feel far from him, disconnected. And the fourth thing, that no one in your inner circle is pursuing God. Hang around with people who have the same interests as you. Because you will always find those who have the same interests as you. If it's being on fire for God, you're going to hang out with people who have the same mindset, who have the same heart and the same goals. You'll always see it. The fire, the lukewarm. They click off. Who you hang around with. The Bible says that iron sharpens irons in Proverbs 27. What does that mean? is that means that we mold each other. See, when you take the hot iron to a gavel and you start to pound it, it starts to shape it and form it. As you and I interact with each other, if you hang around with godly people, we start to give words of encouragement. Something that I've gone through that maybe you haven't experienced yet, but I'm able to help you. And say, oh, you know what? I remember when that happened. And then you start to search the scriptures. I love, I love to see when, when brothers and sisters start to communicate with each other. And they start to interact with each other. See, it's important, I think, is that when service is over, that you take a little bit of your time to speak to somebody. To introduce yourself to somebody. Don't be so quick to just rush out of the parking lot because there ain't no mad rush traffic on either street. Stick around. Because we're family, and we want to help you. We want to see you grow. See, as a grandfather, one of my greatest joys is to see my grandchildren grow up in the things of God. And when they speak of God and they give you a scripture, man, that makes my heart so overwhelmed with joy that I just say, thank God. 
God, allow me to see them serve you in your house. God, show me, Lord God. Man, my prayer is always for the little ones. Because when you take care of the little ones, they grow up and they remember. I, I, man, all these young people that you see up here and serving in the house of God, I had the joy and the honor and the privilege to be one of their teachers when they were in the fourth and fifth grade. And I see them now. This young man right here, man, I seen him when he was a little boy walking around the church grounds with Bible men, his little figurine. Loved it, so proud of it. And you start to see them develop in the things of God and you start to see them serve God. And then when they speak, they speak of God. Why? Because it's done in the household. It's done in the church and they're part of it. They're being part of the presence of God. See, they have every opportunity to go out there in the world and experience it for themselves. But they've heed the voice of God that said, look, plant yourself, develop, grow in the things of God. And because of that, you see them blossoming in the things of God in ministry, in song, and in word, teaching classes now, teaching our children. This is such a joy. Number five, the last one that will separate you is that you are led by your emotions instead of God's truth. How many know that sometimes our emotions could get the better of us? It drowns out the truth. God is trying to give you some solid truth to build a foundation on. But our emotions, they'll deceive us. They'll deceive us. Oh, that person hates me. That person never looks at me. That person this, that person that. Oh, you know what? The pastor prayed for everybody, but then he skipped me and then jumped over to everybody else. I'm not coming back here. I'm not this. I'm not. Nobody talks to me. Nobody this. Nobody that. Don't let your emotions get the better of you. You're an important member of God's house. Every one of you. See, this house is being raised because in this house, God is developing and God is releasing. And people are coming in. Have you ever been into an ER? Sometimes people don't want to wait it out. I've been here for too long and nothing's changed. They're not going to see me. They're not this and that. So you leave. They never receive their healing. Sometimes we just need to stay put and allow God because God's going to bring in people who are worse than we are, who are hurting. And one of the areas that I look at when I go into a facility is, is that they have the people to help with their needs. Every one of us here has the ability to help somebody in prayer, in kindness. Sometimes you just don't realize how much your kindness, of all the great things that people have to say about this church, on posts, on just word of mouth, is that when I went there, I was treated kindly. They shook my hand. They went out of their way and introduced themselves. They walked me over to the kitchen and they offered me a, a meal. Or you know what? I prayed with them. And they heard me. 
See, when you look at society, they don't care what you know. They want to know that you care. They want to know that you're there for them, that you want to see the best for them. And that's the heart of this fellowship. That's the heart of my, our pastor, is to see the people of God develop, the people of God to grow, the people of God to prosper. And that's God's desire for you and I. But it only takes place is that when we desire his presence. See, when you come into the presence of God, there's a transformation. When Moses met God on Mount Sinai, he was never the same. When Saul met God on the road to Damascus, he was never the same. He became Paul, which means small. God humbled him. Jacob, when he wrestled with God, he was never the same. He became Israel. See, when you have the encounter with God, you will never be the same. If you search your heart and you say, you know what, I don't feel that I'm growing. I don't feel that I'm developing. I don't feel, it's not the church. God hasn't moved. We moved. Sometimes God takes a step forward and we take two back. So I think it's vital for you and I to come to an understanding that I need God every moment of my life. Every moment of my life. Let's stand here this morning. Even the most, the most mature people of God have experienced moments of disconnect. You look at Job. He wished that he was never born. David prayed to be taken away to a place where he would not have to deal with reality. In Psalms 55, Elijah, after defeating the prophets of Baal, great victory, wanders off and fled to the desert and asked God to take his life. See, all these Bible warriors experience dryness, battle fatigue. But they come back to the realization that I am nothing without God. I love how Job said, blessed be the name of God. I came into this world naked. Naked I will leave. Blessed be the name of God. So if God was to take everything from you and I, could we still experience the joy of God? Yes, we can. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed this morning. I want to speak to the one who doesn't know God.